Welcome in. You are listening to the Golf to Go Radio Hour on Sacktown Sports 1140. Hi, I'm Frank LaRosa, Scott Marsh. Welcome. How are you doing? What are we doing here? It's the Golf to Go Radio <laughs> Hour. <laughs> doing great. And obviously, we've got a lot to talk about, of course, about our trip down to Silverado for the Fortnite Championship and what we got to watch with Tom Johnson, our local PGA professional. What he did was really remarkable. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to hear from Len Dumas and and Tom Morton, who also have uh, some reflections on on Tom's uh, effort down there. Uh, Len Dumas, the executive director of the NorCal PGA, will join us to uh, talk about uh, his experience on the first tee, introducing all of the tour players and what that was like. And of course, Tom Morton, uh, PGA director of instruction and coaching, who I suppose, if you think about it at this point, is probably the golf to go radio hour um uh, you know, expert on instruction, and we love to have him back. But he's going to talk about the grip and why that's so important and how you can figure out whether you've got the right grip and what you can do if you don't. All that coming up and a whole lot more on the Golf to Go Radio Hour right here on Sacktown Sports 1140. You are listening to the Golf to Go Radio Hour. This is Sacktown Sports 1140. I'm Frank LaRosa. He's Scott Marsh. And uh, Scott, we had a chance to. Uh, to get down to uh, Silverado Resort over the weekend for the Fortinet Championship, and uh, we we both had a pretty good day there. Yeah, it was an awesome event, awesome tournament, and it was just great to to see professional golf in our home area and to be able to follow some people that we really know and like so much. Oh yeah, and talking about having a good day, uh, Tom Johnson, PGA teaching professional from Meadow Club, is with us. Tom uh, is is. Uh, is uh well actually tom welcome to the show and then i'll ask you the question i was going to ask you how are you i couldn't be better thank you guys for having me on yeah tom is a, is a club professional as opposed to a teaching or a, a a touring professional and the touring professionals are the people we see on television every week and their uh their whole existence is is to play golf and and earn a living that way and they travel from tournament to tournament tom is a teaching professional at meadow club and um, and uh, the Northern California PGA section was out in force watching Tom as uh, you had the opportunity to play in the Fortinet Championship and not only play, but to make the cut and making the cut as a club professional is not something that happens all that often. So, uh, you know, con uh, complete congratulations to you for for making the cut and uh, and allowing Scott and I to to kind of have some excitement on that Sunday, watching you finish up your your tournament. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, I was. Um, it was. It kind of started out as a goal of mine. Um, you know, when I when I earned the spot into the tournament, and then I realized that, you know, every time I think about just making the cut, that's kind of where I gravitate to. And and then I tried to set my sights a little bit higher than that. And and um, unfortunately, I was able to make it make the cut pretty easily and and um and then i needed to sort of reassess my goals and and um on the weekend i just thought oh well, i'm gonna just try to get in the mix here and, and and see what i can do and maybe maybe make some noise um i i never really thought that winning was possible and and i i still don't really think that i could have shot 20 under on that golf course but um to to finish where i did i i'm i'm thrilled you know it's it's as I sort of alluded to a little while ago, the 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 touring professionals every day they're they're out there practicing, and uh, they're practicing for hours on end and hitting balls and balls and and you know tuning up their swings and 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 their mental game as well. Um, you know, you go to work every day and uh, you teach others how to play the game, 
how much time do you have to work on your own game and and um you know you've you've played certainly in in the local tournaments and done extremely well but when you get in with with those guys what's the difference in in the mindset well um this is a really good question first um i don't really have a ton of time to practice and i've i've tried to do more since i've i've moved i left the olympic club about 6 months ago and and the meadow club being the director of instruction there um i i have a little bit more leeway to to set aside some time but really what that looks like is about um 15 minutes of um of practice um probably at a time maybe once um or twice a day um so not a whole lot of reps uh, and i just sort of tell myself that i've already put in the big body of work uh when i was younger and i you know spent you know full days at a golf course and and i've, I've done the whole touring thing and 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 put in the the type of hours that, that i feel like uh basically get you to the point of um of um we'll call it mastery where most of these um you know touring professionals or anybody that really calls themselves a professional golfer um you pretty much have to have that that time in your life um and so now i i, I look at it a lot more like just just the maintenance um and and taking care of my body and um and like you alluded to the the mental game i like to think that my mental game is you know the strongest part of my game and um and something that i can use to to um to separate myself from you know even these guys that are you know considered the best players in the world you know i think one one big advantage i have on them is my experience um you know and the fact that i'm 42 years old and that i've i've seen a lot and i've taken a lot of um I've taken a lot of lumps and, um, and I have a, um, a, a full life and, and a, a really good perspective. And, and I know that when I was touring full time, I, I didn't have a, a very fulfilled life. And, and I felt like all of my eggs were in one basket and that I was really feeling um, highs and lows based on how I was playing that particular day. Um, whereas now if I, if I have a rough day, I, I still go home to my, my wife and my, my beautiful son and I have a roof over my head and I'm more financially secure than I was when I was touring. And, and, um, I just, I just feel like I have a lot better perspective and, and then that allows me to play better golf. Yeah, there's something to be said about being able to go home every night. And, and as you say, hug your wife and, and, uh, and and a son and know that uh, you know life is good and life goes on and uh, and those are really the important things. Absolutely. Me. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just I was just going to say, um, what what was the experience like being in the locker room with 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 the touring professionals? Oh, that's a that's a um, that's a funny feeling, you know, because a lot of those guys they just leave their giant staff bags all over the place and um my my lock my locker's right right next to the Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson and um he's a guy I really look up to and and uh you know just to see his the, the Ryder Cup emblem on his his bag and and to you know be rubbing elbows with a guy like that or Matt Kuchar right next to me and um it's just it's just a, such a cool thing um you know just lacing up your shoes next to them and and, um, you know, I, it, it's funny because there's a, 
there's just a little bit of intimidation there. And he's, you know, Zach Johnson's got a green jacket and, um, you know, these guys have had incredible careers. Um, but you know, to, when the dust settles, um, you know, Zach missed the cut and I beat him by, I don't know, it was like four, I think he shot two under, I was six under and it just, like it doesn't really um occur to you when it's happening but at the end of the week it's really cool to look at that leaderboard and go holy smokes i beat that guy or you know i was a little bit starstruck in my uh my practice round i was playing with Patton kazire and and uh, you know multiple winner on tour and and um and uh webb simpson obviously the u.s open champion at olympic club and just guys that i admire a lot and and uh i was playing the practice round with them and i i felt like you know what, I can, I can hang with these guys. And, um, and, uh, sort of the starstruck feeling and, uh, maybe the intimidation started to kind of go away. And I just sort of realized like, Hey, these guys are just, they're kind of just like me and, and, um, their games is, I, I compare it to like getting in a, like a fight with yourself. You're like, I don't really feel better or worse than these guys. And I don't even know how I'm going to separate myself. Um, but, um, I think Patton made the cut and Webb, Webb missed the cut. I, I beat Webb by nine in two days. And I, and at yesterday I realized like, holy smokes, this guy I was posting on Instagram about like how amazing it was to play a practice round with him. You know, I like, I, he didn't play his best, but, but uh, it's just so cool to see my name above theirs at the end of the week. Well, you, you, you played incredibly well. I, Scott and I, followed you the last few holes on Sunday. We're talking with uh, Tom Johnson, PGA teaching professional at Meadow Club, who uh, made the cut at the Fortinet Championship and uh, and was in the fight there. Um, Tom, um, we, we you, you got kind of a, a tough break on your tee shot on on 18. Um, you had a great, a great drive and it ended up just, I don't know, a foot maybe outside the bunker. So you had a really awkward stance uh, for your second shot. And, um, um, Scott, what were you thinking when, when you, when you saw Tom's foot in the bunker and the other one up top? Well, I know what I was thinking. I would pick it up and place it someplace else, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Tom, you weren't thinking that, but obviously it was a very difficult lie. It was. Yeah. I just, um, it was teetering on the edge of the bunker and, and that bunker really comes into play quickly. Um, you know, on one hand you could, miss it by uh, a couple feet and be getting the green light to go for the green and two, or if it, if it, uh, you know, what I would have expected would be that it would roll into the bunker. Um, and then maybe it just becomes a three shot hole, but to have it be um, kind of where I was, you know, not sure if I was going to be one foot in or one foot out of the bunker and just trying to build a stance was, it was definitely an awkward spot. But um, you know, when I, 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 I usually hit those shots well, you know, even though you rarely practice them. Um, and when I, I thinned it and it just basically um, slammed into the lip of the bunker and then went into the next bunker. I mean, it was, it was about as bad a shot as I felt like I could hit there. And I was telling myself, um, you know, what I should have been thinking was to just be an athlete. So whenever I have those really, really weird shots that I never practiced, that's kind of my mantra is just be an athlete. Um, you know, if, if the listeners could, maybe take, take something away from this interview on that for their own games, you know, you wind up in those weird spots sometimes that you're just never going to be practicing. Um, and, uh, that is a, 
something that I kind of forgot to tell myself there. And then I consequently didn't hit a very good shot. But um, the next one was was something to write home about. I yeah, I, I had a um, you know, a pretty I had a good lie, but still in the fairway bunker from you know maybe two hundred and seventy five yards or something. And I just kind of uh, part of my French. I just sort of red assed a, a three wood up there close to the front of the green, and um, was I, I was really happy with that one. I had a little bit of extra um, rocket fuel behind that one, and got it close to the green and and um fortunately was able to get it up and down for a par and and end the tournament on a on a high note yeah it was such a great finish and you know i know tom you, you said maybe you didn't feel like you could get to the 20 other and, and figala was just amazing but you did have it to 11 under you were in the top 10 at one point you eagled on five on or you eagled hole five made a major putt to do so I, and it's interesting so you said you didn't feel like you were playing as well on the, the front side as the back but what was that feeling when you when you got that eagle and you you realized you were or did you even realize you were in the top 10 at that moment you know I I didn't I knew I was I was I mean an eagle I was already one under and and i um, feeling pretty good about my score to that point because I was hitting every single tee ball to the right and um but fortunately my irons were, were pretty good. And, and, um, and I had made a birdie and then I hit another drive to the right and, and hit a, just a, a, a miraculous uh, hybrid up onto that green. And, you know, not, of course, not expecting to make that 50 or 60 foot Eagle putt. Um, but to see that go in, I thought like, Holy smokes, you know, I, um, you know, I have some awareness of my score. I try not to think about it too much, but I, I, I probably realized like, Oh, Hey, that, I think that, got me to nine under um and now i'm kind of like reaching my goal here of of making some noise getting a little bit in the mix um and then the birdie the next hole um now i then i pretty much knew i was like okay um there's a there's a possibility for a high finish here um but yeah to see that putt go in was just you know the best feeling ever um my my all my friends and supporters you know went went nuts and uh it's just a, such a high note to have something like that happen during the week no doubt and you finished 30th tied for 30th for the tournament obviously get a nice paycheck and you know when you're you're finishing 30th i mean just to put that in perspective you know pj top 50 qualifies for every event you know i mean you were up there with the the elite of the elite does it ever just kind of blow you away in that mind when you when you think about you know where you were and what level you were playing at yeah i mean it, i i think i um i i think more um immediately after the tournament i'm just counting the strokes that i left out there that's um i, I think everybody does that um but then you know when it um when you really come to accept like hey this is what happened this is where i am and people are saying hey great job and you're like oh you know what that was a good that was a good week regardless of the shots that i left out there um then it starts to to settle in and hit you like um you know like i said i started looking at the names um on the leaderboard whereas all week i do my very best not to look at the leaderboard and i really i can't even tell you how um how much of a goal it is for me to stay process oriented and to really truly play one shot at a time. Um, and that means not looking at the leaderboard, not thinking about scores, not thinking about Webb Simpson or Zach Johnson. Um, and then, so you, then, then you let yourself do that, you know, at the end. Um, and, 
and it's it's fun and and it kind of hits you you know like hey i just did this i just did this really cool thing um and nobody expected it um and and uh and i'm i'm, I'm really really proud of it as well you should be tom johnson pga a teaching professional at meadow club uh, we're talking about uh, his his week at the Fortinet Championship and uh, playing in the tournament, making the cut. And you mentioned your your cheering section, Tom. You had family and friends and and uh, and Scott and I there for for your finishing holes. Are are you aware of of uh, of your family being there? And and you know how, how much of a boost is that? Yeah, it's a huge boost. I I I think that uh, you know they're. I feed off of, of, um, you know, positive energy and, and, um, I love, um, you know, feeling, feeling, uh, encouraged and those types of things. And I, I think that it can, it can really fuel, um, you know, performance and, and, um, it's, it, it means a ton to me that, that people would come out from, you know, both the Olympic club where I worked previously and, and the metal club where I am now, um, just for my family to come from as far as, um, Mendocino, my brother and sister and nephews and nieces, um, some of my best friends from city of San Francisco made it out and they're bringing their kids. And I know how hard it is to, you know, bring the wagons and the strollers and, you know, with the little ones and, and, um, yeah, it just, it means a lot to me. And, um, and it it really helps, especially when you know things aren't going your way, and you uh, and you you sort of look over there and you realize like, hey, this is um, I'm just golfing here, and there's there's always going to be highs and lows in your round, um, but you know just to to act, um, you know, uh, you know, grateful and have good perspective and and sort of roll with the punches and and um, and and feed off of the. Uh, you know, the, um, the cheers and, and, and sort of let the, the, um, the lumps sort of, uh, you know, just, just roll off of you. Um, it, it, it makes a huge difference. You know, what kind of put it all in perspective for me, and it was, it was fun to be there. You know, you're, you're, you're looking at a, at a par putt, you know, and it didn't look like an easy putt on 18 to kind of finish on a high note. And uh, you're grinding, we can see it, and and you roll that putt in, and and everybody cheered. And as you're walking off the green, someone behind me said to his son or you know a friend or something, "All right, that's the guy you have a lesson with Tuesday at two forty or something like that." <laughs> and I thought, my God, you know the whole world, it it's just it just come full circle. Uh, Tom, I, our congratulations are you know just so sincere. You you are such a a, a good human being and uh and you know always learn something talking to you and and we have such uh, great admiration and respect for you and uh wish you all the great success it's great when good things happen to good people so we're uh, uh we're very proud of you as i know all your uh, fellow uh, northern california pga professionals are as well thank you thank you very much for saying that um that means a lot to me frank and 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 scott thank you for 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 hosting me again and and uh you know i just uh am flattered that you guys want to hear about about this stuff and and uh i'm uh i'm i'm really happy with the week and uh it means a lot to me that you would you know say that i'm a, a good person because that's that's really all i'm trying to do well, you're doing a good job, and uh, we'll look to have you back, and we'll talk about things that are wrong with our swings. So 
someday <laughs> other people right. listening out there may have a dream of uh, being on a PGA Tour event as well. Tom right. Johnson, PGA, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, I appreciate your time. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour. We Welcome back, back in. This right is the Golf this. to Go Radio Hour. This is Sacktown Sports 1140. Len Dumas, Executive Director of the Northern California PGA is with us. Len is a great friend of the show. And uh, Len, welcome to Golf to Go. Thank you, Frank. Scott, once again, for having me on. It's great to see you uh, now. Uh, it's great to see you this weekend at Silverado enjoying the Fortinet Championship. Well, Scott and I uh, wandered up to the first tee and, uh, and there you were with microphone in hand, greeting all of the players as they came through the first tee. We weren't sure whether you were, you know, looking to audition for your own radio show or whether you were okay just being a guest here now and then. But uh, you, 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 you look pretty good doing that there, Len. Well, you know, thank you, Frank. No, no, uh, no, you're under no threat whatsoever. You and Scott own this, and we're very grateful for, the, for, for affording us the opportunity to talk. You know, so a little bit, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough and grateful enough to be doing that for the past few years, back to the Safeway and such. And this year was... You know, we had a somber note with the passing of Lynn Nelson uh, last year. You know, Lynn was on that team for many, many years and became part of that institution. So, uh, you know, honored to be able to perhaps, uh, you know, be there in Lynn's place. And we had many conversations about it, but a great championship. You know, some big changes, right? The, not only the rerouting of 10 holes at Silverado to create more of a dramatic finish and some other viewing points, but also... It now served as a continuation of the 2023 season, allowing players to gather points for their 2024 tour card, as opposed to being the start of the 2024 season. So uh, there, there was a lot going on there at Silverado, but a great, great championship. Um, having Sahith as the champion, won another Californian. So what a year for golf in California. Holy mackerel, incredible, multiple wall. You know, I, I'm guessing that uh, when the, when the players arrive at the first tee, they've got their game face on, and they're, I guess, some maybe not aware of anything going on around except that first fairway. But what's it like with the players as as they come in? You know, they're just terrific, Frank. They are to a person. They go to each volunteer. You know, we have the markers, we have the standard bearer. They go to each volunteer and thank them. And then, you know, I give out the scorecards, welcome them to Napa. And uh, sometimes there's a little chat, but as you say, most of the time they have their game face on and that's what they're doing to be there. But, uh, you know, they, what, what an incredible group of individuals seeing each other every week, you know, week after week after week after week. And yet they, they are, are as polite as could be to everyone around them. You must have been particularly excited to uh, introduce uh, Tom Johnson, who we just uh, interviewed a, a moment ago on, on the radio show here. But uh, Tom Johnson, a, a Northern California a PGA club professional, and uh, having him uh, be not only uh, you know playing in this tournament, but making the cut. We, we talked a little bit with Tom about that, but uh, from your perspective, Len, as you know, as a PGA member for so many years, what what's that really mean for a club professional to make a cut in a in a PGA Tour tournament? You know, Frank, it's huge. It's huge on on a number of levels. One is uh, certainly having a section professional not only make the cut but finishing as high and as well as Tom did. 
you know, it's seven under par tied for 30. It, it um, serves as pride to the association, to the club that they are part of, right? The membership is proud of them. It serves as incentive to some of the new folks that are thinking about golf as a career, but not sure what to do. Those that some associates that are already in and not sure about how to balance their future. And so someone like Tom and the others we've had over the years, holding mackerel, the Stuart Smith, the Jason Schmoles, the Brad Merrick's, you know, go on and on and, and, and miss someone right uh, over the years, just setting that example that you can balance both. So on so many levels, it's exciting. And then just as a fan of the game and the others that attend these events, seeing a club professional playing at that level and succeeding so highly, it's just great for the game. It, it's great for the game on, on all those points. Scott, I know, I know that, uh, and, and we talked about this before, that we were both really excited to, to follow uh, to follow Tom around. But as you were watching him that day, did, did you have a sense of, uh, of the importance or the historical value of what was going on? I mean, it was just from the other side. It was it was awesome to see what he was doing. And, you know, when we were there, it's like he's on the leaderboard. He's in the top 10 at one point at 11 under. So it was just like, how high could he go? And then, unfortunately, his back nine didn't go quite as well for him as his front nine did. But it was it was awesome to watch. And, and Len, for you, how about, you know, when you're introducing, you know, Justin Thomas when he, he's coming up and obviously Max Homa. And, and at the other end for you, were you, were you nervous at all? Um, there's always a little bit of that, Scott, absolutely, because you don't want to do the wrong thing, right? <laughs> you don't want to do, do the wrong thing. And to your point, Scott, you know about uh, Tom's back nine was a little funny on Sunday. It was the back nine Friday and Saturday that set up the Sunday. You know, he made a huge chart. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching, calling the tee and watching the scoreboard to follow. So it's like, okay, um, all right, uh, JT, I'll be right with you. I've got to hold on. As soon as the alphabetical <laughs> listening runs through Johnson again, I'll be, I'll be right with you, you guys. <laughs> not, not quite, but I, not quite. But I, I'll tell you what's great. What's great is announcing their name and just hearing the big cheer. Yeah. You know, just hearing the big cheer, particularly like somebody like Tom. There's a lot of folks there that know him. Uh, Sahith, of course, his family being behind the first tee. But we know sometimes you don't have to look at the pairing sheet because somebody from the sheriff's department shows up. So, no, okay. okay. <laughs> somebody big is on the way. So, you know, JT was there, of course, a fan favorite, had a great, great showing. And so, yeah, Scott, those things are always on the mind. Just we'll, we'll making sure to follow our local and watch the clock at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, no question. And obviously, you know, Tom had a big following with him. We were able to watch him at the end and that was fun when he drained his his putt on 18 and got a big cheer and but really to me the story of the tournament was Sahith and his dad and, and watching the celebrations after every birdie he had to me like that was the really cool part and when I was out there earlier in the week I was watching Ricky Barnes play and you know his wife and his mother-in-law were with him and I think one thing you don't see on TV when you're at these tournaments which is really cool is just how nerve wracking it is for the whole family that's watching their, right. their, their person out there playing. It's, it's just right. incredible to feel that energy just outside the ropes. There are moments God, when it's, it's, it's almost feels more difficult to be the spectator than the player. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think that, that that's what that is. And if you look, look at the roster, 
uh, the fan favorites and how many locals, you know, Justin Suh being in the field, Tom, of course, uh, how many bears were there? James Hahn, Max, right? And so on and so forth. Oh, there's so many local ties going on at one time. It's just very, very exciting. But you're right. There are moments when you, you know, we, we, we live in golf. We live in, we live in, in joy and sadness with each other. When it goes in, we scream. When it's not, we all feel the, oh, we all feel it. But just incredible game. I think that's why we love it so much. Speaking about loving the game, the PGA of America is about to come out with a brand new campaign called We Love the Game. And uh, um, it uh, actually, we probably can look for it uh, during uh, tournaments coming up through maybe through the Ryder Cup as well, huh, Len? I think so, Frank, which is actually the goal. We learned of it uh, yesterday. We had a bit of a national call and they rolled it out to us. And again, this is a new logo. The last logo was 2007. I believe, and, and as we know, particularly in the digital age, logo is so key to identifica identification of an association or, or an organization. And uh, so we'll look forward. There'll be a big push between now and the major rollout will be next weekend uh, at the Ryder Cup. So we look forward to the response, uh, the PSA. You know, we previewed that for a, a little bit. And uh, again, it'll, it'll be brought to the world next week with a launch at the Ryder Cup. And we'll see where we go. But very exciting time. Exciting uh, for uh, for Northern California golf, uh, even beyond Tom, your uh, your juniors had uh, quite a showing this this past couple of weeks as well. So on the other side of the hill, Frank, absolutely, you know, at Santa Rosa Country Club, and thanks to uh, Team Santa Rosa, you know, assistant professional Derek Belciano uh, and James Rogers hosting the PGA Junior League Regional Championship. So we had the teams from. Uh, Northern California, Southern California, Aloha, and the Southwest sections uh, competing to move on. And uh, happy to report, thrilling to report, that the Santa Teresa teams, Coach uh, Terry Sullivan and John Snopkowski, you know, in both divisions, the 13U division and the 17U division, uh, will be moving on to the national championships. And we're just That's a couple of weeks away for the 13U. That's incredible. And, you know, we have to give a, a big shout out to to the Redwood Empire team, uh, Damian Reddy and Derek Felciano, the coaches, because this was the first year of a seven, this is the first year of a 17U national championship. So uh, the Redwood Empire team won the regional championship the past two years, uh, and, and that's as far as they could go. So real shout out to them. Uh, and of course, congratulations to all the teams that made it there. It's not it's not easy. The competition with the 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds is just unbelievable. And uh, so they all need, you know, a big, a big kudos for getting there. And certainly we're proud and, and happy for uh, team San Teams Santa Teresa making it to the Nationals. Gary, Gerald and I have had the opportunity to play in the, uh, the junior-senior, the first tee uh, local tournament uh, the last couple of years. And in, in both cases, we were uh, paired with... Uh, 13 year olds one year and 14 year olds another year. And it's, it's remarkable. Not, not only the, the level of their golf and, and how proficient they are at the game, but what, what gentle persons they are, both, both the boys and the girls. And uh, you know, the fact that they take off their hat and come up and introduce themselves and, and their decorum on the course. Uh, it, it, it really is remarkable that 
at that young an age, these people are, you know, are, are, are so well attuned, not only to the game of golf, but to, to the game of life as well. It is Frank, just, just, just incredible reds. We mentioned they're good people and they play hard and they're very, very respectful. And that's part of, part of why we all cheer for everybody in golf, because we're just having a good time out there and, and admiring, you know, to your point, we're admiring their skill, but I think behind that, we're maybe even admiring their demeanor more because we say this, this is amazing to have that kind of success at that age and to be handling it like this is really something. Well, I'm guessing now with the Langley in the books, another successful one with, um, with Nick Faldo and, and Steve Young and Peter Jacobson and, uh, now the juniors behind you and uh, your your spot on the first tee uh, announcing that's already done. So you're pretty much going to coast for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, um, we we never Frank, as you know, Scott, as you know, you know, we never quite stop. We just wind down. So we have, uh, our, you know, our tournament director Sean McEntee was out at Bayonet yesterday for the Open qualifier for the Pure Championship, which is this weekend. Right. And then we start to prepare for next year. We still have the tournament of champions coming up in Truckee uh, in a couple of weeks. And then, of course, head to our annual meeting. So now we're wrapping up, uh, Frank, as you say, and uh, getting ready for 2024 and cheering loudly whenever possible. Well, well in the process of just working on his T pronunciations for future tournaments. Like, I don't know if we're going to have Michael Buffer out there in future years or I want to hear the open style introductions in future years with you, Len. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes, Scott. But as we said, what a year for California, though, right? Uh, both Opens, the men's Open, the women's Open, the women's Amateur, you know, the success Michael Block had, the PGA champion, Tom's success at the Fortin at our, our junior leagues, the junior leagues, the junior teams all over the state of California. Just, just holy mackerel, what a year for golf in California. You know, all of this is going on sort of under the radar and uh, in many cases. So, Len, we appreciate you uh, bringing us, uh, bringing it to light for us and, and letting us know all of the activities going on. Len Dumas, the executive director of the Northern California PGA, always welcome on the golf to go Radio Hour. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Scott. We will be back with more right after these messages. Welcome back in. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour on Sacktown Sports 1140. I'm Franklin Rosie. He's Scott Marsh. And uh, Scott, this has been a great show so far. So let's keep it going. We've had uh, Tom Johnson, PGA, who played in the Fortinet uh, Championship. Uh, Len Dumas from the Northern California PGA talked about what's going on in golf in Northern California and his reflections on uh, on Tom Johnson. And uh, let's welcome in Tom Morton, PGA Director of Instruction and Coaching at the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. Tom, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm great. You know, you of of uh, of all people that that uh, certainly that I that I know uh can well speak to uh to the accomplishment that 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 Tom Johnson um made because uh, you had an opportunity to play in a PGA Tour event uh yourself and first of all, I guess um as a fellow PGA professional why don't you reflect a little bit on on how you feel about Tom Johnson, uh, not only playing in the tournament but making the cut and um, <laughs> and at one time there in the last day being in the top ten, um, and uh, and and then sort of reflect on uh, your own uh, experience playing on a PGA Tour event and what that's like. Yeah, what Tom just accomplished is really incredible, and um, you know 
yes, he, you know, played played a little more than in terms of in his career at a professional level than I did. You know, you look at right now, I mean, he's a full-time, you know, worker like the rest of us, uh, you know, putting in the hours, not on the golf course. And so for him to be able to, you know, kind of balance both those things and go down there and play as amazing as he did. And, you know, not only that, you have all the, uh, you know, your friends and family coming down and all the stuff that goes along with that that you don't experience on a weekly basis like the normal tour players. you got to balance all that stuff. And so for him to work through all that and, and do what he did, I was just so excited for him, first of all, but just amazed at his performance. And, and yeah, in 2017, I was able to play in the Barracuda, and I got to experience that. And um, it, it was an experience of a lifetime. And the, you know, oftentimes a lot of the customers uh, – were thinking, oh, I, I might make the cut or I might, you know, whatever, finish in the top 20, 30. And I, I kind of laughed at that because they, they don't understand the gap between like the, a tour player and even as, you know, decent as a golfer as I am. It's like there's just a massive gap. It's like a, you take a high school football player and an NFL player. I mean, that's the chasm of gap it is. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's remarkable when we, you know, when we kind of think about that, because uh, for for the recreational player, I, I think the the notion is, well, they can hit the ball far, so they must be a good player. And there's so much more that goes into being able to play the game on on that kind of uh, professional level. Absolutely, and um, you know, I was fortunate enough. I got paired with Joel Damon, who now is you know kind of become pretty well known and famous. And I didn't even know who he was going into it, and he hadn't really taken off in his career yet, and just watching him over the couple of days I played with him, I just, you know, mesmerized how good he is. And, you know, he's, he's not even like one of the top 20 guys out there. You know what I mean? It's just, it is really incredible top to bottom, how good they are. Um, and, you know, like that, I was just really grateful for that experience and be able to see it firsthand and be able to take all those experiences and bring them down to a level to help my students. Locally, uh, a little more closer to home, you just finished playing in the uh, Capital Cup, which is a you, we were just talking a little bit before we got on the air about uh, about how huge that uh, charity involvement is. And I, I was I was totally stunned at the amount of money that was raised. Uh, give us a little background on the Capital Cup and, and, and your relationship to it. It really is an amazing event. And uh, uh, shout out to Kurt Rocca, who really was his and Kerry Gordon kind of, they put it together about nine years ago. And um, to date it's raised over $15 million for the Sacramento community and different local charities. And there's 32 business leaders around Sacramento that form two 16 person teams. And it kind of forms into a Ryder Cup format for the three days of golf we just finished over the weekend. But most importantly, all of those 32 people are raising money for individual local charities here in Sacramento. And, uh, 100% of the money they raise goes back to those charities, but through sponsors and through amazing generosity, we're playing for even more money to go to those charities. So, um, you know, it's really one of the only events that can claim not only does 100% of the money go back to their charities, more than 100% does, um, which is quite remarkable. And you were certainly playing for the Morton Golf Foundation, of which you're president. Uh, of the money that was raised, Tom, what what will that do to the local community? Oh, I mean, are you speaking just purely to the Morton Golf Foundation or even just all the other charities? You know? Yeah, let's let's talk specifically about Morton Golf. So the Morton Golf Foundation, you know, we really over the last few years have been doing some um, cool things. And as um, you know, Frank, we 
uh, just finished up a project where we uh, built a little golf facility on the Hiram Johnson uh, campus, and not only their students, but also students around those neighborhoods that would never see the game are going to get to see it. And um, some of these funds will probably go to some of the programming that First Tee is going to deliver um, on the property and show them, you know, life skills, core values in the game of golf. Uh, we also are really growing our scholarship program with uh, kids going on college that are connected to the game, uh, and then also our golf grant program where there's a multitude of young people that are experiencing the game um, and need help financially to further their experiences, whether that be tournament golf or participating in a program just to, and again, uh, create their opportunity in the game uh, just a little bit more. Well, you talk about uh, bringing the game to uh, to juniors, to students, to young people that never would have the opportunity. It reminds me of a of a line that uh, Gary Plato, PGA, uses. He said, uh, "You know, if we can get every child in America to play the game of golf, our world would be a lot better place." And uh, it, it sounds simplistic, but in many ways it is. But when you think about uh, you know the the core values of the game and 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 you know, I was uh, mentioning earlier playing with uh, the juniors in, in your junior senior invitational and how, you know, at 12, 13 years old, they take off their hat and look you in the eye and introduce themselves. There's there's so much more than just playing the game. It's it's um, it's it's learning how to become citizens. A hundred percent. And there are some <clears throat> pretty cool <clears throat> Uh, research that came out a few years ago from the National Golf Foundation that pointed to the fact that if children at a younger age <clears throat> experience the game, and that doesn't mean that they even play a lot or play at any sort of high level, but if they just experience this and uh, if, and if they stop playing years later as adults, they're, the number was like they're 80% more likely to pick up the game because they look back as a kid and go, I did that and I experienced it. So they don't have that sort of anxiety or that fear of, you know, that sometimes people can have with joining the game. So, um, you know, hopefully we can also then create golfers for a lifetime because of it. Yeah, I, I played once when I was young and, and literally was one one summer and uh, and probably didn't pick up the game again until I was about uh, 28 or 30 or so. How about you, Scott? Yeah, no, same thing. I didn't really start playing until I was in my 20s. I never really played much growing up as a, a kid, just a few times. So, um, you know, I think it's great. The earlier you can start with any sport, obviously, the more comfortable you're going to feel with it. And I think that's certainly true of golf, learning it the right way. Tom, um, I was playing uh, in a tournament over the weekend, and um, I always like to I would like to quiz you on on little tips to, to, to help our listeners. But... Um, I was I was just mentioning to one of the PGA professionals I was playing with, uh, uh, Rick Jetter, who's a you know a fifty year plus member, and uh, many in Sacramento will know him. Like him. I said, <laughs> he is. I said something about uh, you know uh, kind of getting uh, uh, kind of cramped up at the top and taking taking the uh, the club back, and I said I'm I'm just having trouble making that transition and getting the club up there, and and he looked at me and he said, well. He said, I think you're hanging on too tightly with your right hand. He, he said, just just take your forefinger and your thumb off, off the club of your right hand and just swing and, and just see what it's like. I was just amazed at, at, the, at the difference in the club head speed and how easily uh, the club went back and through. Um, so I guess that the, the question to you would be, how important is the grip and how do you know when you've got the right grip? 
Yeah, I mean, clearly grip is it's the only connection of the club, so it's of massive importance, right? Um, and tension in the hands 100% is a, is a big deal too. Um, and, you know, you often hear people talk about, oh, you know, grip it as though you're holding a you know, baby bird or something like that. And that's not totally accurate because um, we actually, there's a lot of research now that shows, you know, that there is more tension. Certainly, as even we're going through this and getting toward impact, there's a lot of tension in the hands that need to be there. But um, I think starting the swing with, you know, relaxed hands and less tension is a great thing. But uh, grip is really needs to sort of fit uh, one's golf swing. So not only does grip help control direction of the club face, but uh, grip also controls kind of the steeps and the shallows of the swing, so to speak, right? If someone has a stronger uh, grip, they're going to be more steep in the swing, more up and down. If it's a little bit weaker, they can be a little bit more shallow. So, um, you know, if someone needs more of one of those things, you can tweak the grip a little bit and that will really help fit the golf swing in the motion. So not everyone should have this exact looking grip that like, you know, oftentimes you've read about in the Hogan books and stuff like that. So um, grip is of utmost importance, but it also should be a little bit different uh, by each golfer to fit what they're doing. Certainly the best way to 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 know whether you've got the right grip is to is to get with a PGA professional. But but for those that don't, um, is the notion of starting with the you know, the, the the old traditional have the v's of your both hands pointing at your at your right shoulder if you're if you're right-handed player and then start from there and see what little tweaks uh you know make your shots better yeah i mean that certainly is a good place to start and a, a big one too is getting the grip more in the fingers of our hands right so many people because they're used to grabbing things and kind of grabbing them in their palm and whatnot and they feel like they have a better hold of it when in fact we don't um so definitely letting that grip kind of fall in the fingers with a little bit less tension would be a great start and a great way to check that is is the the heel pad on your glove if if that's getting worn out you're holding it in 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 your hand as opposed to your fingers right yeah it means the grip's moving around a lot in there and obviously if the club's moving around a lot in the handle that's gonna make it harder to keep it stable at the end on the face so Tom, we're we're moving into winter. Um, what what do we do with our games to kind of stay sharp? Obviously, in in Sacramento, we can we can play golf year round, and, and unless there's a deluge. But but what can we do at home to just kind of uh, stay in shape and you know and and keep our game ready for for the fall or for the spring? Yeah, well, now's the time to really you know step back and look at your own game uh, in totality and find out what are those key areas that really through the summer and early fall that needed to be, um, you know, sharpened up. And, you know, if there's a reasonable swing change or short game change or something that needs to happen, now is the time to really work on it and do it so that when we come out in spring, we've sort of worked through it and are ready to play, right? It's also often people, um, you know, shut it down a bit in the winter or uh, don't work on it much. And then they come into spring and go, oh, wait a sec, I need to work on this. And by the time they're starting to peak and get through that, it's kind of time for winter again. So um, using this season as the time to really make any changes that you want and work on it uh, is important. Tom, the uh, tournament I played in, there were a lot of folks that, uh, you know, are from throughout Northern California that uh, just had an awful lot of really nice things to say about Morton Golf and about your dad and and about uh, the job that uh, that your entire family has done there at Hagen Oaks over the years. So uh, I just pass those congratulations along. Thank you. You know, kind of like when we talk about legends, certainly uh, 
my dad is one, and we just do our best to keep following the blueprint that he set forth for us. Doing a heck of a job. Tom Morton, uh, PGA Director of Instruction at the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. Thanks for being with us on the Golf to Go Radio Hour. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, back next week with Scott Marsh, Frank LaRosa, right here on Sacktown Sports 1140.